The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Barron's Live, our daily webcast and podcast. I'm Lauren Rublin, Senior Managing Editor of Barron's. Thanks for joining us today to learn more about investing and what's ahead in the markets this week. Barron's Deputy Editor Ben Levison is on the line. We have a short work week because of the holiday, but a jam-packed one from a corporate and investment perspective. Ben, I want to thank you for joining me, and let's dive in. Thanks, Lauren. All right, Ben, I have to start this morning with OpenAI. It was a wild weekend in the world of artificial intelligence. Let's review for a moment. The board of OpenAI, which is the leading AI developer, fired its founder, Sam Altman, on Friday. By Sunday, he had agreed to work for Microsoft, which owns 49% of OpenAI. And this morning, early this morning, another 500 OpenAI employees had signed a letter saying they would quit unless the OpenAI board resigned and reinstated Altman. So my head is spinning, and I'm sure it's not, you know, I'm not alone. Someday, this is going to be the subject of a business school case study, but today we're going to make it our own case study. Microsoft is up almost one and a half percent. Some other AI plays are up even more. Tell me, Ben, what do you make of all this noise around open AI? Is this good news for Microsoft? Is it better news for competitors? Is it the death knell of nonprofits like OpenAI trying to develop technology? Well, starting with the last one, I think it is. Um, you, you saw the um, sort of this, I mean, this is still ongoing. So uh, you know, everyone has to realize that what I say could be outdated in like 15 minutes. But uh, good point. What, what it does seem like, you know, you had basically the company's entire staff is willing to follow uh, Altman over to, um, to Microsoft. And to me, that says that, yeah, nonprofits, uh, the people are going to go where the, where the money is. Um, and they, they will also follow their charismatic leaders where the money is. Um, and, and in that kind of an environment, it's going to be really tough for nonprofits who say, hey, we got to go slow. We got to be careful about uh, what we're doing and we got to protect humanity. Um, I don't think a lot of people are, are as interested in that as maybe they say. Um, it looks like it really is about, uh, you know, the bucks. Um, I, I think uh, for, you know, in terms of stocks, that's, you know, I, I think there will be issues with Microsoft. And I mean, it's good that Microsoft, uh, um, you know, for the development of AI has been able to hire Altman and maybe it's going to be hiring all the staff. It's bad for the fact that it has this big investment in open AI that uh, if everybody leaves is, you know, could be worth less than I think it's 11 billion that uh, it's worth right now or was worth. Um, and it also just I, I think you have to think that there are going to be some battles over uh, who owns the intellectual property, um, you know, the non-disclosure agreements that I'm sure a lot of people had signed and that are fairly typical in the tech world. Um, so I, I don't think this it doesn't seem like something that's going to be resolved in just a day or, or two. Um, and I think it could be messier for Microsoft. Uh, than uh, than people think. Um, what is interesting, though, is that you do have a bunch of AI stocks that are doing quite well today. Um, you know, my favorite is uh, C3AI. I can't really even tell you what they do other than they have a ticker that is AI. 
Um, <laughs> and that stock is up uh, oh six and a half percent today. Um, and I, I think this is just part of um, what's happening is that, uh, you know, AI is still seen as the thing um, as it's going to change the world. And um, it's going to um, be huge business for anyone that's involved in it. And so you're seeing uh, those stocks gain. And I don't think what's happening changes uh, any of that. Do you think investors have been gullible in that respect to put so much faith in just the concept of AI? I don't. Um, I, I think it's, uh, I, I, I mean, with every new technology, you always get this kind of reaction. So I always think back to my formative experience, which was the, the stock market and the internet. Um, and the stock market wasn't wrong and investors weren't wrong to get excited about um, the internet. Um, it, it really did do everything that uh, people said that it would do and more. Um, I think the problem is when you start pricing in profits uh, almost immediately, that's where you get into uh, into issues as an investor. It's um, extrapolating that everything that might happen well into the future to now. And that uh, could be, that's where it gets problematic. And that's where you see stocks with high valuations that uh, they, they never really recover from it. Um, so I, no, I don't think they're gullible. I just think they need to be careful with what they're extrapolating right now. Fair point. So speaking of high valuations, I want to ask what the controversy involving OpenAI means for NVIDIA. This is the leading AI chip maker. The company reports earnings tomorrow, and the stock is up a mere 237% this year. If you're keeping score at home, investors have gone gaga over NVIDIA, not the first time, but company reports tomorrow is mentioned. What, what can we expect to hear? Well, Lauren, first, I want to just say that, you know, it may be up, um, it, it may be up that much uh, um, right now, um, 237% on the year, but it's only gained um, 14% over the last three months. So I, I, I would say that, you know, if you're really looking at the gains, it hasn't gained all that much. That's nothing when you're looking at 237%. No, but in, in all seriousness. Uh, all right, we're going to thumb wrestle about this when this call is over. <laughs> no, it's 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 ridiculous. The stock, though, um, as I said, it uh, you know it's if you look at the stock chart, it really it peaked back uh, you know sort of around uh, end of August, beginning of September, um, and it hasn't really closed above that. It's sitting right at that high, um, and. What's going to matter is I mean, they're going to have good numbers. Um, we know that uh, they've every quarter uh, this year they've been raising their their estimates. Um, they've they've been beating their numbers and then raising their forecasts. Um, and so this time they're expected to have three dollars and thirty seven cents. Just to show you how big a deal this has been for them, they had fifty eight cents in earnings the same period the previous year. Um, sales are supposed to come in at sixteen point two billion. That's versus five point nine billion the year before. Um, it's just massive jumps and people are expecting more of the same. They want to see um, that not only did uh, the uh, the numbers beat, but they also want to see NVIDIA raise their guidance for the uh, coming quarter. Um, this, is a, this is an extremely high bar though. It's a very high bar. I was just going to say that, Lauren, and that's what concerns people. Um, I was reading a, a note from Dan Morgan over at Synovus, and that's what he's talking about. Um, I'm going to I'm going to quote from this. He's like, with the and with Nvidia stock's recent run up is beating consensus earnings and sales estimates for the upcoming quarter and guiding growth above the upcoming fourth quarter enough to move the needle. He's not sure. 
Um, uh, but on the other hand, it seems to have such a big lead over everybody else that, uh, you know, it, it's, um, it, 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 it isn't impossible, um, but the bar is super high. Um, and you can see this becoming a double top for the stock if it can't, uh, you know, clear that bar. Uh, but if it does break out here, you can see another leg higher because it's such a clear technical level um, that, uh, you know, the momentum traders out there are going to pounce on if it breaks through. But stocks like this leave very little room for disappointment. Very little. Um, I mean, it's one that I've seen it compared to, and I don't, I'm not the tech guy. We should be talking to Eric uh, Sabbath and Alex Ewell about this. Um, but, you know, if you look at something like Cisco um, during the dot-com boom, um, and everyone was talking about how great uh, the internet was going to be for Cisco's business, et cetera, et cetera. And the stock just kept going and going and going. And it's still, after the, the bust, it still hasn't gotten back to those levels. Um, and there are people out there that have compared NVIDIA to um, to us to uh, AI Cisco. Um, there will be more competition uh, coming. AMD, Broadcom, uh, others are trying to come up with chips. They're going to try to close the gap, um, and, uh, and 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 that could be tough. But for for right now, this is the stock that people want to own, and um, we have to to you know if you're a trader. Um, or, or even an investor, you have to give it the benefit of the doubt um, for now. And if you own an S&P index fund, you certainly own it. You own it. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's no escaping it. Right. In a big way. All right. So the other news this week, aside from Sam Altman and what we're all having for Thanksgiving dinner, is the day after the holiday. That's Black Friday. This is the annual start of the holiday shopping season. It's a day of big bargains. It's a day you will not find a parking space at the mall. So Barron's had a handful of stories about consumer spending in this past weekend's magazine. Our thesis was basically that the consumer is in good shape, but that does not mean all retailers will enjoy a jolly season. So can you give us the big picture outlook? And then we'll take a look at a couple of retailers reporting earnings this week. Sure. I mean, one of the things that has kept the consumer so strong is the fact that the job market is still holding up. Um, you know, people have jobs, they're getting paid, they spend, um, you know, they just uh, assume that they'll be able to, if they have credit card, if they use their credit card, they'll be able to pay off the bill, that they can afford all this stuff. Um, and right now the job market's holding up. And so there's no reason to see that changing. Um, one of the interesting things that's happening this holiday season, though, is we're going back to patterns, it looks like, um, that were in place before the pandemic. Um, so, you know, there's been all this talk of normalizing um, and, you know, to both the initial spike and then the pullback. And now we're getting back to what was normal. Um, and so for JP Morgan, um, you know, that means like 2% growth, but it also means a shopping pattern that could, that you see a peak around Black Friday, as you mentioned, no, no spots at the, um, at the mall, um, everybody on Amazon buying stuff. Um, but then you get a pause for about 10 days and then it picks up again. And what's interesting is you have two things working in favor of retailers this year versus last year. One, and I don't know if everybody remembers this, last year Christmas was on a Sunday. Um, and so that meant you had people had only one weekend day to do their last minute shopping. And that actually hurt sales. Um, and this year it's on a Monday. So you get Saturday, Sunday, and then the holiday. And so there's that, that day, that extra day of shopping uh, before Christmas. That's going to help. The other thing that's happening is that Hanukkah is earlier. This year, it's on uh, December 7th, I believe. Um, last year, I think it was more towards the middle of the month. And what that does is it means that the shopping starts to pick up earlier. 
and get driven across and then people start the Christmas shopping picks up and it goes on through the holidays. And so the the setup this year looks like it is pretty decent um, for for retailers generally, um, as you said, the specifics, um, to, you know, each retailer is its own thing and some are having an easier time than others right now. So Best Buy reports quarterly results on Tuesday, always a popular shopping destination. What is Wall Street expecting from the electronics chain from, from its latest quarter and what does the outlook appear? Oh, they're not expecting all that much. The stock has dropped 13% over the last three months, it's down 15% this year. Um, earnings are supposed to drop to $1.19 from $1.38 um, and sales are falling too to $9.9 billion from about $10.6 billion. Um, Wedbush, the analysts there aren't very optimistic. They think that the, uh, um, the, the macro situation is still making people think twice about how much they want to spend, particularly on the kind of stuff that um, Best Buy sells. Um, and that could be an issue. They're expecting um, uh, Best Buy um, to um, have to reduce its full year um, comp guidance. It's, uh, um, to the, to the low end of the range. And that um, probably won't be taken so well by, by the market. Um, and, and I think that the, the problem is really that people did buy their TVs and their computers and all those things that are in the pandemic. And right now they're happy to just use those. And so, um, you know, Best Buy has to still figure all that out. So that's a big challenge for the company. Switching gears, we also have Amber Crombie and Fitch reporting this week. It reports on Tuesday. This stock has had a spectacular year. Should I say it's the NVIDIA of apparel retailers? It's up more than 200%. It sure looks like it. I mean, I was actually kind of shocked because, uh, you know, I don't cover retail as closely as I used to. Um, and you look That's at how this, I cut my teeth covering retail. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a great area. We have reporters covering it. I had no idea that um, Abercrombie had gained this much and that it had basically done very little through uh really through um the end of may and on may 24th or so towards the end of may the stock just took off um uh, it's uh it's trading at 15 times earnings which isn't you know horribly expensive uh it might be a little expensive for uh for a retailer but um you know it has done quite well and it's really just that uh, they seem to have right-sized their um uh, their their inventories they've gotten in what people want um i was reading a Citigroup note that was saying that both of its major brands that's abercrombie and hollister they're both performing extremely well um though again we're talking high bars here um and so that the risk heading into earnings is that um, you have, um, you know, that it, it can't uh, cross that bar. But the other thing is that it is, it's trading at, um, uh, again, according to City, is trading at five times uh, tw uh, 2024 estimates for EV to EBITDA. And that's cheaper than uh, American Eagle Outfitters and in line with the gap. Um, so they, they still like the stock. I, I think you just have to be careful whenever you have um, a retailer in particular that uh, seems to be doing uh, better than everyone else. One last thing to mention, um, it's expected um, to, uh, you know, uh, um, to raise guidance and um, the buy side. So right now it's around 410. City expects it to go to five. Um, and they believe that the buy side expectation is to get to $5.50. So talking about a high bar, that's a high mm -hmm. bar. 
Um, For sure. One last thing is that uh, it's RSI, the relative strength index is up um, over um, 70 right now. It's at about 73, which is really close to that 80 level. That's uh, kind of as high as it gets. And that's just a signal that there's a lot of momentum here. If it doesn't live up to these, um, to, to these expectations, there could be some downside. Right. The RSI is a is a signal of buying pressure. It's buying pressure or selling pressure. In this case, or there's selling. a lot of buying pressure. Right. Interesting. The stock has had many lives right now. It's having a very good one. That so let's take, let's take a look at Lowe's, the home improvement chain. Its shares have gone absolutely nowhere this year. What's going on at Lowe's and what could ignite some excitement? I think the big issue is uh, just what's happening in the housing market. Um, you know, yep. home, home sales are just not happening. And that means, uh, or at least not at a, a typical pace. And that just means that um, the uh, um, that, that there aren't as many people having to go buy new stuff for their new homes. Um, they're not doing work on their new homes. They may do them on their old homes, but it's a different kind of uh, kind of work. Um, and that's been uh, hurting Lowe's. Uh, it's um, was hurting uh, Home Depot as well. Home Depot's earnings were quite good, though, um, and that gave not only Home Depot a big bounce recently, but Lowe's as well. Um, and then the other thing to pay attention to is that Ace Hardware also released uh, its own comps, and they were pretty good as well, at least better than expected. Um, and you know, they were the, the um, analysts have been expecting. Um, comps to decelerate by about 3.8 percentage points um, over at uh, Lowe's. Um, Home Depot and Ace came nowhere near that. Um, and so it looks like um, that, uh, you know, based on those two reports, that things could be okay for, for Lowe's. The question again is that the stock has reacted to, um, to what happened at Home Depot. Um, and so has it, uh, has there been too much built into the stock at this point? I think that means that you need to be a little bit cautious um, of, of what happens here. And watch the housing market. And watch that housing market, yes. So let's talk about John Deere for a moment. The company reports on Wednesday, Deere has brought technology to the farm. We've written about that for the past couple of years. The stock was a favorite of growth stock investors, but there hasn't been much growth to speak of this year. I think the stock is down about 10% year to date. So how do you size up deer and what do you expect to hear when the company reports on Wednesday? I think the problem with deer is that it really got uh, caught up in this sort of, um, you know, idea of it as a tech stock. Um, and um, it had a, you know, a massive rally uh, back in 2020 coming out of the pandemic. Um, and really it's been going kind of sideways since then. Um, and I think part of it is digesting these, these hopes that people had that like, it's a tech company that is bringing, you know, the, the, the connected farm, if you will, um, to people. And um, it's going to uh, need to show that uh, the, the earnings are, are coming through. Um, right now, it's, there's not much earnings growth. It's supposed to report a profit of $7 and 46 cents. And that's, um, above uh, only two cents above last year is seven dollars and 44 and sales are actually lower um the, the the good thing for the stock is that it hasn't been performing well um deer's own uh, guidance for the quarter has been pretty low um and so this should be fairly easy to jump over um and but it's all going to come down to um 
sort of what happens with uh, with crops this year. Um, the, the analysts at DA Davidson are, you know, they actually think that farmers are doing okay, and they um, think that uh, things are going okay for both corn and soybeans, and that they will be uh, strong enough to for farmers to want to invest, um, and uh, that would be good news for deer. But I think right now it's it really is a show me story. Um, we're, we're waiting to see this uh, technological. Um, these tech, uh, these technologies flow through to the bottom line, and it uh, just it has to work through these issues in the farms right now. Right. Well, it certainly worked well for many years, and then you hit a plateau, as it were. Yeah, and, and I love these sideways ranges because, um, you know, it's this kind of thing that can be frustrating when it's gone on. I mean, this has really been happening since uh, uh, April of 2021, so it's uh two and a half years now of, uh, of this sideways where it looks like it's going to break out. It doesn't, it falls. It looks like it's going to, um, you know, it's going to break down. That doesn't do it either. But if it does break higher, you know, you, you sort of get this range going. Once it breaks the range, you usually get a pretty sustained move. So that's what I'd be watching for. All right. Good, good to point out. So I want to talk about China for a moment. President Biden met last week with China's Xi Jinping and any positive comments coming out of that meeting, I have to say, have not really helped Chinese tech stocks. Tomorrow, we're going to hear from Baidu, which is the search engine giant with a handful of other big businesses, including cloud. What more might we learn about the state of Chinese tech from Baidu's announcements? Well, I think we've already gotten kind of a preview of all this when um, uh, Alibaba said that it's not going to uh, you know, spin off its cloud business. That story of the of Alibaba breaking into separate companies was huge for the stock. Um, it provided a catalyst when there didn't seem to be any, um, and pulling that back, saying that they're not going to be able to because of these uh, technological um, limitations placed by the United States, um, it, it was really pro problematic for uh, for the story. Um, that really got these stocks, you know, it, it looked like they might be able to, to move again, but it turned out to be kind of a head fake. Um, and so you have Alibaba was trading uh, near its lowest levels in, in nearly a year. Baidu is in a very similar position. Um, you have a Chinese economy that isn't doing great. You have worries over um, the U.S. tech and the impact of that. And so it's going to be, um, I think, a, a lot more of the same. Um, the uh, analysts over Mizuho say advertising is getting better. You're starting to see a pickup there. Chinese consumers might be starting to shop a little more. But you do have um, growth in the cloud slowing. Um, and that can be a, a problem. Um, and so they're they're basically, uh, they've lowered their price target. They just see like uh, these stocks stuck for a while. But, uh, you know, we were talking this morning in the newsroom just about how cheap um, these Chinese tech stocks are, um, you know, including including Baidu. It tra trades at just, uh, you know, 10.6 times uh, 12 months forward earnings right now, um, which is when you compare it to, to U.S. tech com companies is nothing. Um, Alibaba is even cheaper. It's 8.6 times. But um, there's more going on here than the value. There are. And so you wouldn't expect them to you wouldn't expect them to trade at the same multiple as a U.S. tech stock, um, but is like half of, um, you know, Facebook or sorry, Meta Platforms, the right multiple for a Chinese company. I think that's what's yet to be decided is what's the right risk premium to put in there. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it'll be interesting to see what Baidu says and whether it's going to be good enough to, to move these stocks, which have just been knocked back down again. For sure. We will definitely be covering that. 
So we usually start our call, Ben, with a discussion of the economy, but I was just carried away by the open AI news today. I had to yeah. get your opinion on that. I want to talk about the economy for a moment, and then we will pick up with some listener questions. The Fed will release its minutes this week from its latest FOMC meeting. We know that there has been some debate at the Fed about whether to hike rates one more time or not. New data has come out since that meeting suggesting that inflation is cooling a bit, but certainly far from where the Fed would like it to be. So how shall we interpret what's going on with the Fed at the moment? They're going to meet again in mid-December. We've got a bunch of other economic data coming out this week. How do you size things up? You know, it's, I think it's actually going to be a fairly, you know, and I'm not sure how meaningful it's going to be in terms of the economic data. You know, the the, the minutes themselves, as you said, a lot has changed since the last meeting. Um, and the market has really made up its mind about what's happening next. We got that inflation reading. And now the market basically says there, there's almost nothing. Uh, that's, uh, there's almost no chance the Fed is going to hike. There's 0% chance, according to CME FedWatch. There's actually a 0.2% chance that the Fed could cut rates. No. It's not much of one, but uh, it's it's in there. Um, and you're starting to see if you go out to the, the March meeting is when you start to see real potential for cuts, about uh, uh, almost a 30% chance for, for rate cuts happening as, as soon as March of 2024. And I think that's the, the big thing is that the, the markets are looking at the Fed and saying, hey, you know, with these kind of this kind of data, if it's really data dependent, it, this is when it needs to start thinking, okay, we're going to stop raising rates and we're going to start cutting. Um, and so I don't think when we get the Fed minutes, we're going to, um, I, I just think it's something that people are going to look at as saying, okay, that's old news. Um, we're going to get some data this week, including leading indicators. Um, they have been falling, they've fallen for 18 months or expected to fall for a 19th month, um, a little bit better than the previous month that uh, um, I think the um, yeah, the drop is supposed to be on 0.6% month over month decline. But, uh, you know, it's still, um, it, it's not doing well and it's signaling a recession in the conference board, which releases leading indicators is expecting a recession um, in the first half of, of 2024. Um, we've been expecting recession for a while now, though, um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, if that happens. Um, you know, they're, they're not the only one uh, feeling that way. I was reading about... Uh, you know, Deutsche Bank uh, apparently, uh, um, or actually says Society Generales uh, apparently uh, feels the same kind of way that you're going to get a mild recession sometime in the first half of next year. Um, and then uh, and then things will be, uh, we'll just get back on track. Um, but uh, we'll have to see if that's the case. Um, it, this has been a very resilient economy and, you know, we'll get jobless claims on Wednesday this week because of uh, Thanksgiving. Um, it's supposed to be in line with last week's at 230, 231,000, which is a little bit higher than it has been. But so far, it doesn't seem to have hit the level that screams at you recession. I agree with that. So also, um, I want to draw readers' attention to Randy Forsyth's up and down Wall Street column in this past weekend's Barron's. He has a view, Ben, that investors betting on four rate cuts next year are going to be sorely disappointed and that the Fed probably won't start cutting until the second half of the year. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they're going to be sorely disappointed either because they've um, 
either because the Fed has had to cut that many times, four times next year, and it's because there was a recession and stocks don't do very well in a recession, um, or the Fed's just not going to do it and it's just going to keep rates higher for longer. Um, I, I just think that uh, we have to be careful for what uh, about what we wish for. That's true. All right, let's go on to some listener questions. Sadiq asks, what is the long-term outlook for Moderna? That's been a barren stock pick. Do you want to take that one? Sure. Um, you know, we do, we remain positive on the stock right now. All the attention on it still, um, everyone's still looking at the uh, COVID vaccine. Um, and we know that the revenues from that are, um, have really been, uh, have really slowed. Um, the company is spending a lot of money. Um, uh, they, they're spending a lot of this uh, COVID windfall of theirs on um on research. Um, and that has people worried as well. I think what is forgotten is just that, you know, Moderna proved that its technology worked um, during COVID. Um, it, you know, it came up with this vaccine um, very quickly. Um, they, they show they have a platform that they can use for other vaccines. Um, and I, I think that's forgotten. Um, and I don't know when it's going to find a bottom and when it's when or if it's going to going to bounce. But I do think that, you know, we shouldn't underestimate just how good their science has been and what that could mean for the stock long term. So, you know, we as I said, we've been wrong. We, we bought this. We recommended buying this way too early um, and it's been painful. Um, but it's a stock to definitely keep an eye on because I do think at some point it's going to bounce and it's going to bounce a lot. Fair enough. So I also want to ask you a question from Lee. He wants to know, Ben, do you see the market stalling once the new year starts, given the headwinds of political untension, climate change, China uncertainty? The list goes on. Isn't the current average P.E. of the median stock high, given a 4.4 percent 10 year Treasury bond? Um, that is a very good question. I think it's what we're wrestling with in the newsroom mm -hmm. right now as we come into the end of the year. Um, that. Some might say that we've are that the headwinds from the geopolitical tension um, and and whatnot is actually already um, was factored into the market. It's partially what caused this uh, ten percent uh, downturn that we had um, from the peak um, in uh, July um, was over that and uh, um, over some other things. This is actually um, I was looking at Deutsche Bank this morning, and they they see that uh, you know the, the 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 pullback started just as your regular okay stocks gone up a lot, it pulled back. Then you get the rates moving higher, and then you get these geopolitical um, shocks. Um, and now we're sort of unwinding the rates vol and the geopolitical side of things. You know, if if rates start moving higher, if geopolitics, uh, if if the situation in the Middle East, the situation with Russia and Ukraine and elsewhere continues to heat up. You know, that could be a headwind. But the other side of it is that, um, you know, you could see um, a cyclical pickup. You could see the economy get a little bit stronger in certain areas. Um, if you start seeing um, industrial um, activity pick up a little bit, um, it's been depressed for quite a while. You could actually get, uh, uh, you know, some solid moves higher. Um, I'm not sure I fall into that camp, mainly because I look at next year, it's a presidential election year, and there's usually a lot of volatility uh, in the first, you know, 
nine, 10 months uh, of the year as investors are just dealing with the uncertainty of who's going to be president and what's it going to mean for policy. Um, and that only starts to go away once you get closer to the election, you start to get a real sense of who's going to be president. Um, and then you actually get a rally towards the end of the year. So I would not be surprised if, especially if we get a rally, in, a, a very big rally into the end of the year, I would not be surprised to see some sort of you know, stalling, a little bit of a pullback, and then some sideways trading for a while in 2024. I agree with you there. I know Lee asked my opinion, and Lee, I have to um, let you in on a secret. I have something I call the Rublin Recession Indicator. When I go out to dinner, I look around a restaurant. If all the tables are taken and all the seats are full, to me, that says no recession. And I have to tell you, I have not been any place in the past two months that has not been packed. So I take that, I look at the data we published in our consumer story, and it seems to me that people still have plenty of money, or, or many people still have plenty of money, certainly not all, and people will keep spending. Whether the market anticipates all of this or not is another story. I kind of agree with Ben. If we have a big rally toward the end of the year, I would expect things to cool off a little. But I think I'm in Randy's camp. I don't see the Fed cutting rates in the first half of the year, barring some sort of recession, which seems unlikely. I think one of the risks we have to consider, though perhaps not the most likely, is that inflation does heat up, the economy does get stronger, which we talked about, and the Fed actually has to hike again. I don't even want to think about how the market would react to that. Yeah, I mean, right now, uh, this is coming from Dennis to Dennis to Boucher over at uh, 22V, but he was saying that so much of the risk on rally right now just depends on this, um, on the data remaining slower, but not too slow. Um, and it's a, it's a pretty fine needle to thread. Well, I've been in the no recession camp this year because of that Rublin restaurant recession indicator, but take it for what it's worth. <laughs> anyway, Ben, I wanted to circle back and talk about a company we had not had time to talk about earlier, and that's Medtronic. The stock is kind of flat this year. There's been some expectation that as people go on weight loss drugs, those who had not been able to have other kinds of surgeries might be able to now. That might be good for the stock. The company reports on Tuesday. What is the outlook from your perspective? Um, well, so the, the company ha is supposed to report profit of $1.18, and that'll be down from last year at $1.30. Sales are up, um, are, are supposed to be up to about $7.9 billion. That'd be up from $7.6. Um, so you're getting, you see there a little bit of margin pressure. Um, the, I was, the big thing that's hurt Medtronic and some other of these um, medical device companies, though, is really concerns over these weight loss drugs, the uh, GLP-1s. Um, and uh, just the, the impact they would have if everybody all of a sudden uh, got healthy and lost weight, then you wouldn't need uh, you know knee surgeries and things like that anymore, um, which probably got a little bit overdone. Um, and, and so it, it, the, the question is, if we're past that now, uh, and it looks like we might be, then you can see sentiment um, about Medtronic improving, but what they need to do is they just need to start uh, executing. They need to, they, they had some problems with uh, some of their, you know, with supply chains. They had some problems with uh, some of their uh, research. And if they can get all that back on track, if they can actually execute, then the stock is probably a great launcher buy. And I think that's what we'll start to see uh, when it reports uh, uh, this week is maybe we'll start to see that those earnings are coming in better and expected. The commentary is being a little bit better and that uh, management will you know, be able to raise guidance and do those things to get people uh, not excited about the stock, at least starting to get a little bit more optimistic. 
I guess other than AI, that's been the other big story of the year is yeah. the weight loss drugs. Right. I mean, uh, Eli Lilly has been the NVIDIA of, uh, of pharma and it's all because of these, uh, these drugs, which, uh, are really, uh, supposed to, uh, you know, change lives. Um, and, uh, you know, again, I always worry in the same way with AI that are we reading too much into um, into it too early, um, or in this case, just reading too much into it. Um, you know, the idea that people are going to stop snacking because they're on a GLP one, um, I, I find a little crazy, but uh, that's just me. So Ben, I think we have to say the bull market is over when we can't describe something as the Nvidia of something. Right. That'll that'll mean the party's over. Anyway, with that, we will end today's call. Thank you so much, as usual, for your smart opinions. And I'm glad we got to cover all this stuff. I want to thank our listeners, too, for tuning in today. Tomorrow on Barron's Live, Barron's Associate Editor for Technology, Eric Sabitz, will speak with Jonathan Curtis, Senior Vice President, Director of Portfolio Management and Portfolio Manager with Franklin Equity Group, They'll be talking about the outlook for technology stocks. And since it's Thanksgiving week, I want to tell our listeners how much we appreciate you. We give thanks for you and for your support of Barron's. Stay well, everyone. Have a good day and have a wonderful holiday. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.